There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies, for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube, you can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Doug Zarkin. Doug's been on the show before. He was on episode 68 as the CMO of Pearl Vision. On today's show, though, we talk about his new book. He's a retail and brand marketing expert, and he's the author of the new book, Marketing Your Brand Out of the Friend Zone. In the conversation, we talk about who this book is for, why this book, why now, what is the friend zone, and why is it such a bad thing, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Doug Zarkin. Doug, welcome to the show. Great to be here with the OG of podcasting. I think you were the very first to really get scale in the world of marketing. So congratulations. It's great to see you continue to thrive. And uh, thanks for for blazing a trail for others to follow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that a lot. Well, I, you know, look, before we get into talking about business and, and your book, I want to talk a little bit about tennis. You play and think a lot about tennis. And, you know, somebody that's played it and, and, and involved in it as long as you've been, like, what keeps you attracted to the game itself? For me, in life and in business in particular, I usually can see a pretty strong correlation between effort and outcome. 
Unfortunately, my tennis game doesn't follow that same degree. <laughs> if only the outcome were as correlated to the effort. I, I am addicted to the sport. Uh, I played as a kid, gave it up in my, my 20s uh, and early 30s to do the social golf thing and got back into it as my kids got a little older. And for me, you know, when I'm on the court, it is, um, it's my place. It's my special place. My wife doesn't play. My kids don't play anymore. Mm. And a lot of times in tennis, it's you versus you. Yet there's a lot of strategy that goes in, especially when you play doubles. And I just, I really enjoy the run. I enjoy the workout. I love the gear. Um, it's one of the few sports that I think, um, is a great metaphor for business. Mm. And that if you think about tennis, yes, certainly there are times where you can win the point on your serve, but more often than not, it's about strategy and planning where you're going to hit the ball, how you're going to set up your opponent to eventually win the point. And oftentimes when you, when you look at a match and you look at that winning shot, the winning shot was set up three shots earlier. Um, and in a lot of ways, that's a, a pretty strong analogy to business about how you build those strong consumer relationships. No, I love it. I love it. Love it. Well, how let's let's talk about you and and business and and how where did you where did you get your start in business and um, kind of what were some of the highlights, if you will? Yeah, so in, in a land land before time, world before time, and that being LinkedIn, <laughs> when it came to what do you want to do with your life and how are you going to get there, it, it was almost entirely about your friends and family network. And you know, I was one of those kids that went from undergrad on Sunday to graduate school Monday morning. And was sitting in a classroom with students that were 10 and 15 years my senior. Mm. But I, I knew pretty quickly as I was pursuing my MBA that eventually I wanted to run a business or and lead a brand. And I got some great advice from a family friend who said, look, if you want to find yourself in the C-suite in the front of the train, get on at the back, work your way to the front. You'll not only understand the roles and functions, you will have done them you will understand the love language of those roles and functions and note to future self, you'll be in a much better position to motivate the people that are in those roles and functions to move the entire train forward faster. And so I started in the agency world where I spent kind of my first career, uh, eventually started the youth and entertainment division of Gray Advertising and had the chance to work on some amazing projects like the brand architecture for the Harry Potter franchise for Warner Brothers Consumer Products launch of W Hotels, Reebok's entertainment platform, and a whole bunch of others. And uh, then made the jump to the dark side of the force, as they like to say, where I um, became one of the few men that can proudly say that he was an Avon lady. And when I went to Avon to help reinvent their direct selling model with the creation of their mark business. And from there to Victoria's Secret Pink, to mm. basically build that brand, spent a few years in fashion and beauty. And then for the last 11 years um, at Essilor Luxottica to really revitalize their iconic healthcare services, optical retail brand, Pearl Vision. I love it. I love it. And what, I mean, what a, um, a number of marquee brands that you've had the opportunity to work with. It's amazing. I didn't know that. I mean, we've known each other a long time and I knew Avon, I knew Pink, didn't know you you had a uh, a touch on the Harry Potter. If I if I had known that, I think I think my uh, your cool points would have gone up. <laughs> it was it was a an amazing project because Warner. This is such a great example of of knowing what you don't know. Warner had just purchased the franchise from you know J.K. Rowling and had committed mm -hmm. to turning the books into a movie, but they were terrified about how to approach 
the consumer products licensing part of it. You know, yeah. they knew they had a, a decade's worth of investment in this, in the franchise. And we're really looking for a, a structure and a discipline and a rigor to apply when evaluating all of the opportunities that would come to them. Mm. And we were brought in because we were working on their theatrical and home video. Yes, home video business <laughs> when I was at GWiz. And, you know, the, the key insight, and I talk about this in the book, the key insight that we brought to Warner, and it really came out of a conversation with J.K. Rowling herself, was that anything that was related to the movie in the world of consumer products or licensing had to feel as if it was an artifact from the story. Mm. So it wasn't about you know stamping Harry and Hermione's face on a on a candy bar. It was about creating a chocolate frog, right? Right, and that discipline and rigor really paid off for them in the launch of, you know, Harry Potter world and Universal Studios experience and Harry Potter Studios in the UK. But it was for me, such an opportunity to to be a part of what eventually turned into a pretty iconic franchise. Yeah, it is an iconic franchise. For sure. <laughs> quite, for sure. quite amazing. Quite amazing. Well, well, you mentioned the book. So let's let's talk about that. Well, first of all, let's just say congrats. Uh, writing a book is no small feat. Books titled Moving Your Brand Out of the Friend Zone. Why, why write a book? Why, why now? So when, when I made the decision at the beginning of the summer to, to step away from Pearl, I really wanted to get out all of the thoughts that I had had in the course of my career that I had applied to the one-on-one mentoring relationships that I had built through programs like Adweek's Executive Mentor Program, through the ANA's Executive Education Foundation Platform, and really just in terms of how I, you know, built and and tried to lead teams. Writing a book for me was an opportunity to provide a degree of mentorship broadly. When you're presenting to franchisees and you're selling internally, which is inevitably what marketing has to do, you have to figure out a way to take the the complexity of marketing and make it simple and easy for somebody who isn't a marketer or thinks they're a marketer, but isn't to process, process the the sophistication of what you're, you're putting forth. And I would receive some nice feedback after doing a presentation about, wow, you really helped me understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And had been approached by a couple of companies to, to work on the book. And once I made the decision to write it, the outline took about 15 minutes. The actual writing took about four months. And as we have this conversation, I am waiting on the, the gallery edition, which is the fully art directed with all of the images and graphs and charts. And Ah, geez, I hope this doesn't suck. <laughs> I really, you know, you, you think you think you're brilliant. You think you're you've got something to say, and then you put your thoughts in writing right. for all the world to see. And not gonna lie, there were moments where I would look at a chapter that I thought was just you know poetry in motion, and would be like, Doug, what is this crap? And <laughs> had some major rewrites. But you know what? Um, it's been a humbling experience, and uh, I'm excited to to hopefully get some. Good responses, you know, if, if there's a few things in the book that provide a framework for someone to unlock their own potential, both of themselves and their brand, then, then I'll have succeeded. I love it. I love it. Tell me a little bit more about like, who, who is the, who's the book for? Who did you, who are yeah. you writing for? So this is, this is not quantum marketing mechanics. You know, this is not a sophisticated look at the complexity of the integrated systems of marketing. This, this, is, this is really to help somebody 
appreciate that there is not necessarily a right way or a wrong way to approach building a brand. There's a way. And what I've tried to do is provide for students at, in higher learning, college, graduate school, young executives in their marketing career, brand managers, associate brand managers, folks that are beginning their career in the advertising world are honestly entrepreneurs or senior level marketers looking to provide a bit of a guide and refresher on how to perhaps do it well, a a resource pool. You know, I, I tried to create the book with the idea in mind that people aren't looking for solutions, they're looking for perspectives. Because again, you know, marketing is both an art and science. And so what, what I share in the book is a series of constructs and perspectives and frameworks to help perhaps shape the reader's thinking, but inevitably appreciate the fact that, and it's called the guide for a reason. When you are guided on a tour, you are an active participant. And this book is meant for somebody who wants to be an active participant in shaping their career and shaping their brand. Love it. Well, you, you talk about, and it's in the title of the book, Friend Zone. Yeah. Uh, first, what? How do you describe what the friend zone is? And <laughs> and, and I have to be. I mean, we're friends. Like, why is yeah. it had to be friends? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I just celebrated my twentieth wedding anniversary. So I'm going to go back in time. But for those of you that are listening to it, you know, remember remember when you were dating, you know, trying to find that special someone, and you had feelings for them that were pretty intense, and you finally made your move, and the person on the other end didn't reciprocate, didn't feel the same way. To use a sports metaphor, I call that the Heisman. If you know what the Heisman trophy yeah. looks like, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll yeah. understand the visual. It's the same thing in, in the world of brands where brands think they have a much deeper relationship with their consumers. And then you find yourself looking at your, your retention rates and your loyalty and you, you start getting really desperate and sending out those, it's been so long since we've seen you or you know, here's a special promotion because we'd love to welcome you back. It's in a, a recognition and appreciation that in today's marketplace where... And this answers sort of the second part of your question. Why is it bad to be friends? You know, we are living in a Kickstarter Instagram sales culture where you can take an idea from inception to execution faster than ever. And so if you not just want to thrive, but survive, you must invest in creating deeper consumer relationships. And the book really talks about that fact. Certainly, you know, friendship is not a bad thing. But in the world of brand building and business, friendship doesn't provide you the degree of predictability that you need in order to really build a sustained business and brand over time. I I love that notion of predictability that I think for me that starts to hit home. Like it's, you know, friends come and go the, to your point, like you can get a little overzealous when you need them more than they need you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, friend, friends are friends are connected to you. And, and I call that sort of a little bit in the, in the brand-like realm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not a bad thing, but push come to shove. You know, if I have a problem, regardless of what it is, the first person I'm going to is my wife. You know, that's, that's love. That's what love is. Um, and in the world of your friendships in your personal life, there are probably a select few that you would almost say are family. Um, that you have that intensity and I, and there's really two spectrums to evaluate it. When you think about the customer relationship zone, you have the X axis, which is trust and you have the Y axis, which is passion. And if you apply that to your personal life and business, those that you are the most passionate about and that you have the greatest degree of trust with are the ones that you usually love. And it's the same thing with your customers. 
customers that have an intensity of passion about your brand and that trust your brand are the ones that are most loyal. Hmm. I love it. Love it. Well, uh, another concept you mentioned in the book is around thinking human. Yeah. I got to I got to know what is that? <laughs> so I I I get I get a lot of shit for for using that phrase because it sounds very <laughs> ethereal, but I'll give you a really good setup and then I'll kind of break it down as simply as I can. So if if, you, if for those of you that are listening, if you remember the movie Jerry Maguire, Jerry one night is sitting in his hotel room and has this epiphany moment and writes his brand manifesto. Okay. And his manifesto was about, we should have less clients and deliver better relationships, better service. And when I saw that movie, and ironically, I worked on um, an integrated product placement program for Reebok when I, when I joined that brand very, very late in the game. It inspired me not because it was the the notion of, you know, make less money, but the idea of really focusing on the individual and thinking human really can be simplified into the following perspective. Imagine if every customer that you engage with, you treated as if they were your only customer. What kind of customer experience would you deliver? What kind of interaction would you create? And thinking human is the notion that your consumer is not a series of data points on an Excel chart or a crosstab. Your consumer is human, has a very strong connection emotionally to the brands and products and services that they buy. Because consumers make emotional decisions before they make rational choices. And that all plays into the notion of how you approach building your brand and your business. Keep that idea in mind that create an ecosystem where you essentially treat every customer as if you're they're your only one and realize that that customer is not just data, but a living, breathing entity. Yeah. And it's amazing what you can do. And there's some incredible brands that, that do that every day and their sustained business growth is, is proof positive that it works. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I love that notion. I mean, I, I'm guilty. You know, you think about segmentation and you think, about, oh, I've got a really attractive segment of customers over here and we just need to develop that campaign and, and get to market. But stopping to think like you just described, like tr- how would you treat one customer? And you're not guilty. I mean, the, the idea of segmentation is the beginning of the journey. It's, it, it's about taking it further and saying, okay, this cohort, this segment is really profitable for us, is really active. Mm-hmm. Help me to understand what is driving it. And that's where you get into the details. You know, that's where you go into more qualitative assessment. You know, 
I mentioned earlier in the upfront that you're talking to one of the few guys that was an Avon lady. <laughs> For me, thinking human is also about how you learn. And right. when I yeah. joined Avon, the company for women as a dude with limited beauty experience, I couldn't begin to craft the future for the business that I was being asked to create without appreciating and understanding the DNA of the brand that I was joining. And for those of us that are, are trying to really grasp what makes our business rock and roll, get out from behind the screen and, and engage with your frontline associates. And you, know, you may be saying to yourself, well, I, I work in a virtual business, econ business, great. Go work in customer service for a minute. Okay. Engage with the human element. There's a human element in every aspect of your business. It's just about finding it. Um, some of the most important pieces of learning about our business when I was at Pearl, I got from spending time with our franchisees um, and our, our corporate associates who keep you humble and really reinforce something that's incredibly important, which is strategy without the ability to execute is really nothing more than words on paper. <laughs> It's very true. Very, very, very true. You mentioned Pearl, Avon, yeah. service brands. I mean, at, mm -hmm. the, at the end of the day, obviously there's products involved too, but yeah. um, you know, managing reputation and, and the, the point of connection, if you will, ratings, et cetera, all the things that show up good and bad on, on ratings and, and review systems. How do, you, how do you think about addressing and managing the reputation of a brand? Yes. Yeah, so... Reputation management, I, I, again, not to shamelessly plug the book, but I talk about this in the book, yeah. is really the backstage door to winning the battle for, for awareness on search engines. Mm. Um, because search engines are crawling for data based on real experiences. You know, there's, there's an affinity and affection for local businesses and the ones that have really strong ratings and reviews do very well. You, in today's ecosystem, can't underestimate how much research a consumer does almost for any purchase <laughs> um, or any experience. You know, you, you used to go out to dinner and somebody would say, it's a great restaurant and you try it. No, not today. You're making a reservation on an open table. You're looking at the ratings and reviews. You're looking at the menu. You're looking at photos of the restaurant. Um, it, it's pretty intense. Right. And for brands to understand that it is impossible to completely control your online narrative. But you have to participate in that narrative. And the way you participate in that narrative is by investing the time to build a reputation management platform that allows you and your team to understand what is happening at the granular level, virtual or otherwise, in your, in your outlets, and allows you to click in and figure out where the unlocks are to create an amazing experience and, and frankly, where the triage is needed to, to fix something. But you are, unfortunately, perception may not be reality, but it's actuality. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And, I, you know, you, you described the restaurant and the, the number of factors that come into play. Mm -hmm. We almost do it without even thinking about it now. <laughs> but as you described it, I was like, yep, I do that. I do that. Yeah. I do that. Yep. It's just so easy. Um, and, and it's not a bad thing. I think, you know, brands tend to freak out. Well, what do I do when I have a bad review? You leave it. <laughs> any, any business that has all 100% stars, someone's going to be suspect, right? Yeah. It's too perfect. It's too curated. Um, the thing when you have a negative review is, is 
can you show empathy? Can you turn that adversary into an advocate? And if you can't, then it's absolutely okay in business, but also in life to say, you know what, we're really sorry we disappointed you. It's clear your expectations weren't aligned to what we were able to deliver. And and we're sorry we lost your business. We hope you'll give us another chance. Consumers really respect that. What consumers don't respect is the, when you call up and your flight's delayed and you're like, I'm sorry, you're frustrated. No, I'm, don't be sorry. I'm frustrated. Be sorry that you guys couldn't do what you said you were going to do when you were going to do it. Don't, don't be frustrated don't be regret that I'm frustrated, regret that you guys dropped the ball. You know, I, I love that passive aggressive. They take no responsibility. Take responsibility as a brand. It's not about admitting fault because the consumer isn't always right, but it is, the consumer is always valuable. And you cannot ignore that if a consumer expectation is not met, it, it's clear that, that somewhere in our process, you know, you were let down and that's not good. So let's discuss how we can make it right. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to fire a customer. And sometimes as a brand, you will be fired. And it may not be for a rational reason. It may be completely emotional. But that's business. And that's why having a really good control over how you're going to view the ecosystem of ratings and reviews is critical. Well, you've put out all of your thoughts or you're working on it, <laughs> finalizing yeah. and tweaking yeah. it. What's, what's the, like, if you had one thing you wanted people to take away or lesson to learn, what, what would that be? It's a great question. The, the higher sort of the ethereal level takeaway from the book is that truly there is a marketing superhero inside everybody. You just have to have the courage to throw on the cape, to use that analogy. And the way you do that is recognizing again, and and I wish I could go back and tell my 23-year-old self starting out in the world of marketing this, there is not a right way or a wrong way. Stop focusing on that. Focus on crafting your way. And your way is a reflection of your experiences. Your way is a reflection of your business's ecosystem, the state of your brand, the relationships that you have with your customer. But don't focus so much on trying to achieve that perfection of what you think the right way is. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Celebrate the progress and the journey and focus on getting better every day and approach that world. And this is more than one takeaway. Approach approach it with a a curiosity and a comfortability being uncomfortable. That's a great, great point. Great point. And marketing, like no other discipline, is there is no right answer. <laughs> you you have to in marketing have a really interesting balance of both arrogance and humility. Right. Arrogance because marketing at its core and and this is the answer to the question when somebody says to you in an interview what's the purpose of marketing? This is I believe an answer to the question that is effective. The purpose of marketing is to motivate the consumer to do what we want them to do when we want them to do that or to take the action we want them to take when we want them to take it. Full mm-hmm. stop. There's a whole bunch of layers underneath it. If you understand that and you can process that, it helps to framework everything else that goes into it. Yeah, love that. Cool. Well, it's been great talking about the book. I'm sure it may come up here as I, I rattle through the questions I ask everyone that comes on the show, but we want to get to know you a little deeper. We know All right. you love tennis. You're obviously now an author. What Has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today. Yeah. Very early on in my career, I worked for somebody who 
let's just say sometimes in life you learn more from working from bad for bad people than you do for good ones. <laughs> That's true. Okay? Yeah. And in my review, I'll never forget this. Um, this person actually told me that I was intellectually lazy. Oh my god! And my response to them was, I got really emotional, and and it took me a little while to kind of formulate my perspective. But I said, you know, if, if intellectually lazy means spending $50 worth of time on a $5 problem, then guilty is charged. I never forgot that. Mm. And it's something that I have never been told since. So there's a bit of that intellectual chip on my shoulder. Mm. You may be indeed smarter than me. You may be a better marketer than me, but certainly nobody will ever, and I think anybody who knows me personally or professionally, friends, adversaries would ever say that I'm intellectually lazy. No, no, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Well, you, you gave us a little bit of advice earlier on, but like what if you were starting this journey all over again, what, what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> really, Doug, stop worrying about being perfect. <laughs> worrying, about, like, worrying about getting better. God, you know, so early in your career, it's all about accomplishment. It's about, it's being about being the best, getting noticed, being tapped as a high performer. And so the pressure that I put on myself was tremendous to be truly the best, to be perfect. Yeah. And it's unattainable. And I, I probably drove myself crazy and didn't enjoy the ride as much as I could have early on in my career. Oh, I really like what you said, like focus on getting better, you know, yeah. like that. Yep. That's, that I, that's my that tennis I, game in a nutshell, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, I'm going to double fault, but you know, maybe only have three, not six. <laughs> love it. Well, uh, I got two more questions for Go you. For it. Are there any trends or, or subcultures that you follow? Or you think other people should take notice of? You know, I, I think it's really interesting to watch what is happening in the world of, of TikTok and Instagram as those businesses hit maturity. Most of us, um, have been riding the wave of both of those channels for a little while. And it's been a little bit of the wild, wild west, right? Both in, in how you monetize it and how you optimize it. And, you know, there are agencies and people that pride themselves on, you know, they understand the algorithm and they can cheat the algorithm. And I, I've got the script to unlock all this amazing stuff. Maybe early on for sure, as those businesses were in their infancy. But I think today, the maturation of both of those platforms because of the power that they have in building your business. To me, watching how those mature, I think is incredibly interesting. I also think what you are seeing in the world of video mm. is a ecosystem that will continue to evolve as terrestrial television, linear television continues to fight for its existence. And you have all of the streaming services, each of which has its own identity, some of which are better than others, begin to embrace the revenue stream that comes with advertising. I'm curious to see in two or three years, does streaming services just become streaming versions of linear, meaning you've got a commercial every five minutes and you can't buy your way out of it? And right. does the programming become a little bit more rigid? Don't know, but I'm, I'm excited to watch. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an ex exciting space. And... I lied. I have two more questions. Go for it. No, you gotcha. Whatever you want. What, uh, is there a topic you think marketers need to be learning more about or, or maybe something you're trying to learn more about yourself? I, leadership, for sure. Again, I talked about it early on in your career. It's, it's about achievement. I didn't learn how to be a leader until I actually was challenged with being one. And even then, I, I wasn't a very good one until midway through my career. 
again, trying to shift your mindset from, from self-accomplishment to inspiring. Climbing the mountain alone is great. You can you know, get to the top of the mountain and take a selfie. But bringing a group of people up that mountain with you, you're having a party at the summit. And <laughs> for me as a leader, the journey of building businesses and brands is so much more enjoyable when you can focus on leading a high-performing team, building and leading a high-performing team. And again, to like continue to schlock the book, there's a whole chapter about not only defining what a high-performing team is, but providing a framework for thinking about how you make critical hires. You know, what are you looking for? Because you, you certainly, in today's ecosystem, you can't be a master of everything. You just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, let's have more parties at the summit. <laughs> sure. For sure. Or, or at the U.S. Open. Either way. That, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, um, last question for you. Uh, yeah. And, and feel free to plug the book again if, it, if it's a concept in there. But what do you feel is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers? I do talk about it in the book, but it really comes down to the notion that the biggest threat is this intensity of pressure about data. And, and I will put a stake in the ground. I, I've put one before and I'll put it again. Data does not make decisions for the modern day marketer in parentheses alone. And the real reason for that is because, let me get that word out as I say that phrase, because data is only as good as the questions that you ask. <laughs> yes. And understanding what questions to ask doesn't necessarily come from data. It comes from experience and refining your gut. In a land before time, when you didn't have the ability to measure almost everything, businesses and business leaders had to rely on instinct. That instinct was tuned based on the experiences with your brand, of your brand, and with your consumers. That art form of experiencing your brand in real life has been lost, especially for this new generation of marketers who are coming out of the COVID world, where we sat behind a screen and had to make decisions from the safety and security of our home. For me as a leader, I'm really trying to stress that you have to use data for good, not for evil. Yeah, no, 100% agree. 100% I mean, agree. data is a four-letter word for a reason. Yeah. Well, and you know, even the most, if you go and ask, not the data wonks, but our true data scientist or somebody that's focused on what's called decision sciences, it will tell you the exact same thing you just said, which is the data is only as good as the questions you can come up to ask. <laughs> it, and it's amazing. You know, if you think about if you have 100% of your time, if you're focusing on more than, than five data points in your business, you're spending less than 20% of your time on something, which means you're really not going to make an impact. Right. I mean, if you're in your life, if, if you're cutting yourself, so spreading yourself so, so thin, you're trying to balance your family, your life, learning this, learning that, getting better at this, getting healthy. You got to prioritize. And I, I think what, what I'm hoping to do with myself and my career and the next team that I have the privilege of leading, which stay tuned for an announcement on that very shortly, mm -hmm. is instill the fact that we have to be masters of our own data. We have to understand how to use it for good, not for evil, and not be paralyzed by it. And certainly, you can't ignore data. Spend more time figuring out what should be in your questionnaire. And I promise you what comes out of that survey will be incredibly valuable. Love it. Love it. Well, Doug, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for coming on and, and sharing, uh, sharing with 
listeners appreciate it. Are you kidding? This is the the OG podcast. Um, It's an honor. It's an honor to go back. It's like being, it's like going to a restaurant that you grew up with as a kid and and still being the same amazing experience. What what you've been able to do with the podcast, the the guests that you've had on and the dialogue that you've facilitated is continue to educate and inspire. And, you know, as leaders, as marketers, that's really what, what we need to be doing is educating and inspiring because look, as I said earlier, you cannot do it all by yourself and surround yourself with great talent that brings in great perspective. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. No I'm, I'm blushing and smiling ear to ear. <laughs> so. No worries. No worries. My thank pleasure. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 